fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, this is Sharks Across Hollywood, and we've been sitting here talking for almost twenty minutes about fucking nothing. But it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of been fun. It's yeah. uh, uh, you don't get to listen to it, but because uh, we're going to cut all that out before we get to this point. But but it was fun. And you we might want you to be aware that you we might were be, having fun. Before you might we get got to here. listen to it. Uh, I have a folder on my desktop that says bullshit, and it's <laughs> it's a few it's a few uh, bits from before we officially start a few episodes. <laughs> And one of these days I might go through it and just throw throw some shit together about some of the weird stuff we talk about before we talk about the actual movie. Uh, you know what? I would, I'd be down for that episode. I would listen to the bonus episode of Bullshit. This is this is our official Christmas episode. So prior the to The only one of the yeah, year. Oh, dude, my schedule is so fucking janked out and fucking crazy. I probably won't even finish all the episodes that we recorded this year. This week, though, we're talking about Die Hard 2. Die Harder is not part of the actual title. Uh, I have been yeah. lied to my entire fucking life. It was part of the ad campaign, though, so I I still consider it as part of the title because literally until you get in front of the movie and have the title in your face, if you watched any advertisements, if you saw anything for it, and I don't care if it's a magazine, TV, movie trailer, whatever, you were getting Die Hard 2 die harder i remember it i was fucking three years old when and they were saying out. it like it was the title this movie is way more christmasy than the first die hard for a couple reasons one there's christmas shit all over the place in this movie and there's only a few christmasy things in the first movie and we're also in washington dc where it is snowing yeah so it automatically looks more christmasy <laughs> yeah la is not exactly that la sunset just does not scream christmas palm trees do not say hey it's christmas <laughs> so die hard 2 the actual quintessential christmas movie it's definitely got a more christmasy vibe but um i don't think anything's gonna replace die hard not for me no fuck no this, this movie is die hard but not as good yeah no well this is this is dumb hard is what this is <laughs> this is like if die they, they basically this is the rambo first blood part two of die hards because um, like, first blood was this Kind of smart, serious, a little dark, really well told, really well acted. Probably should have just died at the end of that movie. Probably. You but know, Stallone probably. was like, no, it has to be a happy ending. But that's not the way it went. Um, and then you've got Die Hard. Die Hard is, now Die Hard's got more of a sense of humor than First Blood did, obviously. But it is, it can be taken way more seriously. The humor is derived from like character and the character of John McClane specifically and from certain situations, but it's certainly not what you would call, you know, like silly or anything like that. Die Hard 2 <laughs> just dials the ridiculousness up to 11 and it's still just as much fun, but it's so much more ridiculous. Everything is so much more over the top. <laughs> They just yeah. they, they just cranked all the dials on it, and I I don't know I don't know like as far as I can tell from the movies I've watched of his, this is Rennie Harlan to a T, just everything's dialed up to ridiculous, but in a good way. I like it. I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm saying that as an endorsement. <laughs> My first note though pertains to something that I noticed like 
in the middle of the movie, but I'm going to tell you right now, because why the fuck not? Sure. Robert yeah. Patrick really likes to kill people named John. Likes to try and people, <laughs> try and kill people named John. And fail. So, so here, think, think about this. We have, he's T-1000 trying to kill John Connor. Yep. He's in this, he's trying to kill John McClane. Within like a year or two of each other. He doesn't try to kill him in this movie, in, but he's Johnny Cash's dad in Walk the Line. <laughs> And he's, oh, yeah, and he's right. a super huge dick to him and yeah. wished he was dead. He is a dick so, to John. And then yeah. uh, the character's name isn't John, but he plays John Cena's dad in Peacemaker, and he does try to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just hates guys named John. Probably like, not a Sex Pistols fan. I'm not a John Lydon fan, so Sex Pistols are cool, but he, oh, God, every time that guy opens his mouth, I'm like, shush, <laughs> stop talking i haven't heard anything he's said since the documentary filth and the fury so i thought it was pretty cool in that because i i was just the right age you know he's just a guy who likes to antagonize people and that's just childish and annoying it is it's definitely childish and annoying and especially now like nowadays we don't need more guys like that but back then i think he represented something that was potentially beneficial to the culture the problem is it it's no longer yeah. Beneficial to the culture. Because every, every single person is an asshole and they have just infinite time on their hands to be dicks on the internet. Yeah. And then there's us making fun of what is essentially a good movie, just not a great movie like the first one. No, or this the, is a good, bad movie. Or the third one after it. I think like, one and three are definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, Three, I think there, there's a step down in quality from one, obviously, but like the first three quarters of three are excellent. And then the last quarter, it it's not so good it gets a little like this yeah it yeah it kind of falls apart in the in the in the third act but this movie now this movie like if you look at it objectively being so fucking over the top <laughs> it's got to be a bad movie but everything works together so well like it's so consistent within itself in its absurdity that i cannot not love this no, no, I, I, I definitely love it. It's not the one that I'm going to watch the most. I'm going to watch the no. first one and maybe the fourth one because the fourth one is dumb as shit, but it's way it's it's better than this in that way, I think, for me. I'm a one in three man. I enjoy four and I enjoy this immensely. Whoa, um, five. Five is the best one. Five can fuck off. Five I, can fuck I right watched it that one off. time in the theater with my mom. You know, the, <laughs> watching this, I actually did start to feel kind of bad for five because I'm like, this movie is dumb in all, or at least in many ways that five is also dumb. So maybe if I were going into it expecting it to be Die Hard 2, I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, it's it also the characters in this are a lot more likable, even the dickheads. I don't know if I'd say not, that. Not likable, um, but fun. Like, like they're actually they're fun. Yeah. You know, you like to see that NYPD blue guy go off. Oh, and just Dennis be a dick. Franz is such a fucking tool in this. And yeah, I absolutely love it. And Dick is back. The, <laughs> the reporter. <laughs> that guy. Okay. I'm actually on his side in this one. Like, I feel, I actually feel bad for him in this. I don't. He's, because he actually is, now he's a, he's an ego, egotistical tool, but he actually is reporting relevant news. Yeah, but the idea was that they didn't want everybody in that airport to panic, so they needed to not do that. But that's relevant news. I'm sorry. It is relevant it's news. It's relevant news, but you gotta you gotta let the situation calm down, especially because of all those people. You, those people are endangering themselves now because he made them all freak out. Those people were already in danger because if those planes start falling out of the sky and they're all circling the airport, <laughs> where do you think they're going to fall? But 
it's an action movie. John McClane's going to save the fucking day. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's true. But uh, movies and, like this are a big part of the reason why faith in the media eroded. Now, the media did its part. There's no question about the media doing its part to the 24 hour news cycle, all of that stuff uh, that they did their big part, too. And I'm not saying that movies like this are the majority to blame. Not at all. <laughs> but movies like this definitely contributed. You can't say that there was not a contribution here to eroding faith in in the reliability of news media. That line he says later about everybody has the right to know about what everybody's doing every day, whatever he says. I wrote Everybody it has somewhere. the right to know everything about everyone. Oh, wrong. That's fucking weird. <laughs> I agree. That's bullshit. And everybody has the right to mind their own goddamn business. <laughs> Unless it is, in fact, relevant. and it, to the pu It's in the public interest to yeah. know. But... The, that's the thing. The airport thing, that was in the public interest to know. That is legitimate news. Very, He's a tool. Not, no not at that I don't I don't think they should he should have done it at that moment. Granted, he didn't know that everybody was gonna like panic and freak out, so what, that's whatever, but And he yeah. was definitely wrapped up in his own mythology at that point. I mean I mean his whole thing about I'm gonna get a Pulitzer. <laughs> like, all right, dude, <laughs> dial it the fuck back. But but it's it is relevant information. It is newsworthy. It's not like going to the children of the people who are held captive. That's not newsworthy. That is not newsworthy. That was a legitimate beef in that movie. Okay, I had I, I had a thought. He didn't have all the information, so he should have kept his mouth shut until he knew stuff. That is important. There's validity to that. Yes, I will give you that. The media speculation thing is part of the reason that people don't trust the media anymore, because there is yeah. way too much fucking speculation. His role in this movie is exactly the same as his role in the first movie, to show up, be a dick, and fucking make things hard for people. He doesn't inadvertently aid the terrorists in this movie. Yeah. Speaking of the terrorists, if John would have just left them the fuck alone, <laughs> nobody would have died. <laughs> maybe that Maybe that one Boy, guy- ain't that the story That one the guy 80s. in the church- would have died probably well the guy in the church definitely would have died but there was no preventing that and there was literally nothing that could have been done about that so my first note aside from the robert patrick thing was you know we gotta have john calling him john sounds fucking weird now that i'm actually saying it out loud we have to set him up as being a fish out of water a little bit except he's closer to home now because he's in washington dc but he lives in la now because he had to move out there because apparently his wife still works at nakatomi despite all the crazy shit happening she probably got a promotion out, out of the whole deal. Well, yeah, she probably took over. She's Nakatomi now. Yeah. Well, she she's what's his name? The her boss. They yeah, yeah they probably replaced Takagi with another Japanese person. Oh yeah, guaranteed. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, she probably moved up the chain. There's all sorts of fun '90s technology here, but you know, John gets towed. McLean, Bruce Willis, I don't fucking know. He gets towed <laughs> because you know you have to have something annoying happen to him so it can pay off a dumb little joke at the end of the movie because that's how these <laughs> movies work. Like, everything that happens in this movie happened in the first one, only f better. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, Yeah, so we get a beeper. So the first time I ever saw this part, when I was a kid, it's naked William Sadler doing karate and watching this news story about this guy <laughs> named Esperanza who's important. Naked William Sadler's <laughs> Tai Chi routine in front of the TV is... It's iconic. That's your moment <laughs> where you're either in or out on this movie. Like if you're if you're not in at that point, you need to just stop. If you cannot embrace the silliness of that scene, this movie's not for you. I was shocked at how ripped William Sadler was too, because he's always been sort of like a comic relief character throughout most of 
my knowledge of him, he's done these very funny characters. I forgot what his name was, so I kept calling him Death. <laughs> exactly. See, <laughs> Death. Like, that's a, a perfect example of one of his iconic funny characters. And the way he turns off the TV. <laughs> Just whip it around <laughs> like he's going to shoot it, but click in the room. It's, Good Lord. It's so over the top. It's beautiful. Then we have to set up that McLean doesn't really uh, doesn't really do technology, even though that shit doesn't really come into play at all. Nope. Nope, almost not. I, I can't think of any point at which it plays into the story. No, he calls, I think they're just trying to set him up as being like old school. Yeah, you know, like he says, uh, as far as I'm concerned, progress peaked with frozen pizza. I don't disagree. <laughs> uh, but he calls his wife because she paged him, and he's like, "I'll call you in a minute, whoever you are." I'm like, "That's fucking. That's the most 1990 thing I've ever heard in my life." <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Remember pagers and just. Just just faith calling whoever <laughs> happened to have your pager number. And there's all sorts of shit going on in this movie that like it's like as a nineties kid watching like a fifties show and going like, what are they doing? <laughs> like the fax machine thing? <laughs> yeah, the Faxes, fax machine. <laughs> welcome to the twentieth century. It's and yeah, he's talking to his wife and she's like, It's the nineties. I'm like, barely. <laughs> yeah, it's nineteen it's like December nineteen ninety. Uh, yeah, and it's like fax machines, car phone, or uh, plane phones. Plane phones. Oh, my God. <laughs> the funny thing was, my son actually looked over at me and was like, how is she making a phone call on the plane? And it's I'm like, like a car phone, but on a plane. I'm like, you know they have phones on planes, right? And he's like, I've never seen that in my life. He's made <laughs> tons of flights in his life. He's been on planes lots of times, but we always get whatever the cheapest yeah. flight is, you know? So he's like... Oh, yeah, I guess we do always kind of get the cheapest flights, so maybe yeah, they just and, don't have them. And she's not in first class, but she's definitely in, like, fancy she's asshole in class. class. Yeah. Back when business class wasn't the wasn't the new first class. <laughs> she's sitting next to this old lady on the plane. She's sitting in a fucking recliner. These seats oh, yeah. are so They're goddamn huge. huge. And I, I just, that's why I said to Storm, I was like, how do you like those not first class seats? Because William Atherton's character, what the fuck's his name? Dick. Dick is sitting there. You know, like complaining about being kicked out of first class because they overbooked. Yeah. At least give me the meal that my company paid for. <laughs> no. Thornburg. Dick Thornburg. That's his name. Dick Thornburg. What? It is William Atherton, right? I got uh, that yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. What a great name, though. Dick Thornburg. Dick Thornburg. So she's sitting next to this old lady. She's like, I used to use mace, but it was blah, blah, blah. And because she talked about, you know, punching. The technology thing. She, and she, oh, yeah, that's right. She, has, she hasn't talked about punching him yet. <laughs> she pulls out this fucking taser and she's like, now I just zap the son of a bitch. She's like, I tried it on my little dog. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> she, she, the dog was fine. It just limped for a it week. limped for a week. Poor thing. Like, well, what the fuck did you expect? It's meant to take down a, you know, 250 pound dude. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff like setting up what, what we're going to see. Like John here bumps into bumps into death. And says he looks familiar, and Death is like, oh, I, you know, I've been on television. Are we just going to call him Death the entire until un, until they introduce him as his actual name, okay. and then I start changing the changing the notes to Colonel Stewart or whatever. All right, and then you know, he, I think he recognizes John also. Uh, yeah, because because people recognize McLean from the Nakatomi thing. Apparently, it was big news. He was on the cover. I of would people imagine magazine. so. Terrorism wasn't huge yet, but. <laughs> Well, it was it wasn't like an everyday thing now where the people that do it are just kind of like, oh, they exist because they have to, because if we don't, then we all die. Well, in in fairness, it wasn't technically terrorism. 
it was a heist. Well, that Masquerading is as terrorism. It's always about the money, isn't it? Yep. Fucking dicks. The bad guys. There's a lady reporter. Her name is Samantha something something. Then, okay, shit actually starts picking up here, sort of. We get three terrorists sitting at a bar in an airport. It sounds like a joke. <laughs> sounds like the setup for one, anyway. They have these gift boxes, and John is just sitting there smoking a cigarette inside, by the way. At the airport bar, Back just kind of hanging out. Back in the good old days. <laughs> and I don't know what he thinks he sees, but it's just two dudes carrying a box. And he goes, hey, he will, he will goes up to the cops and he's about to tell him, hey, I just saw two guys carrying a box. One of them was black. So I don't know. You might want to check that out. <laughs> he doesn't actually say that. He has he two. He that. has two black friends in this movie. But he is an L.A. cop. He <laughs> That hadn't happened yet. In 1990. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. We'll give it a year. <laughs> or two two years i can't remember exactly what year the rodney king thing happened but it's it's soon that's true it wouldn't have hit the popular uh consciousness quite yet i mean straight out of compton had come out so yeah but that was a bunch of black guys complaining <laughs> about how they don't have it good and everybody oh, yeah. knows you can't you can't trust them that that's why that's why john's all suspicious of these guys because one of them was black even though the yeah yeah, one of them was black, and he's gonna follow. Yeah, fucking okay. Anyways, so he goes to the he goes to the cops, and it's the cop that gave him a ticket. So he's like, you know what? Never mind. I got this. It's fine. <laughs> so then he goes into this the luggage, like the luggage transfer room. First, the lady reporter, she's trying to like get the the colonel's did a guy, Colonel Stewart, death. She's trying to take pictures of him, and she's like, hey, what are you doing here? What's going on? And one of one of his colleagues says, no pictures, you comet, you pinko bitch. Apparently it was improvised. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Is it, it news that, supposed to be communist? It means that they believe that the, uh, that the liberal news media was <laughs> on the side of the communists. Oh, okay. And uh, couldn't be trusted. I mean, it was... Again. Basically, the, basically, Trumpism is nothing new. Let's put it that way. It's an old attitude that's been carrying forward for some time. Oh, yeah. That's another thought I had. This movie and the plot of this movie is a holdover from Reagan era stuff. Yeah. So he's he's going to go into that into that baggage place where it gets all thrown around and stuff like the end of Toy Story 2. Storm wasn't sure if this was a set or not. And I said, hey, you know, I actually think they probably just found an airport that had a dysfunctional one of these rooms in it. <laughs> because that's a lot of shit to build for a set. And, you know, we get our first action scene here. And, of course, John says really dumb shit. He says, which is, this one's funny. This, he's like, Jesus H, fuck, as after he loses <laughs> his gun. This is a pretty good action scene. It, it's ridiculous. Like, that bag-crushing machine that, they, that he sends the guy through. <laughs> I love through. that. I love it. Um, But what the fuck is wrong with these two guys? John's just, he just walks up to him and goes, hey, uh, you guys aren't supposed to be back here. I'm a cop here. He's like, can I see your IDs? And they're like, yeah, sure. And then they just start shooting at him. I'm like, dude, mellow out. <laughs> Good Lord. One of you is dead because you guys just started shooting at this random dude who came back there. I know he was a cop, but fuck. You could have at least let him get in a little closer so that your military expertise <laughs> might have lent you some advantage. Then, you know, after after this little scene, after the guy gets crushed by that baggage handling thing, he tries to catch the other guy. He runs away. He gets fucking... He's like, he grabs a bike, I guess, because there's all sorts of weird shit in this airport. There's yeah. a homeless man living in the basement who says he's a janitor, and I'm not sure if I entirely believe that. <laughs> this guy's definitely got crawled up from the sewers and just took over a, seg a section of the airport vibes. 
they go after him and he's they're like hey he's like hey that's the bad guy jackass what the fuck he lost his badge he lost his gun so he has no no way to prove that he is who he said he is he does eventually get his gun and his badge back because they're like sorry man we found your here's your piece and your badge what they got to do is they got to give the terrorists a little a little head start we got we they got to know that fucking diehard man is here and he he wasn't known as diehard man yet <laughs> and he, he doesn't was mind known his, as nakatomi man he doesn't mind his own fucking business and if he had none of this shit would have happened well i mean a lot of the shit would have happened but well just, it, the shit would have happened but the plane gone down as bad the as plane wouldn't have crashed we would have just lost a drug lord who fucking cares we can go back and get him later <laughs> You got him once. Well, we but remember, remember, they set up early with Samantha, whatever her name is. This is a key victory in America's war on drugs. It's the first prisoner of the war on drugs or some yeah. shit. Ugh. Yeah. So, you know, we had to sell that war on drugs thing because that was uh, that was very new back then. America. How's that working out for you guys? The war on drugs. Uh, I think drugs won. <laughs> just a little bit and the airport police are dumb fucking pieces of shit they don't block off what is obviously a crime scene nope. whether or not it's just a bunch of but just a couple dudes trying to steal some luggage it's still a crime scene and somebody died at this crime scene so why are we not because we have to make sure john is the only smart one and then of course you know death is a dick of a boss the guy didn't fail but he still says if you fail me again i'll fucking i'm like what does that mean the other guy died but you didn't seem to care about that <laughs> As soon as that scene plays out, I lean over to my son and he goes, I already know what you're going to fucking say. <laughs> what? what are you going to say? <laughs> because I've said it so many times about so many bad guys. This is why Hans Gruber is the most compelling villain, because Hans Gruber had a trusting relationship with his subordinates, not a dictatorial yeah. relationship with his subordinates, which is why Hans Gruber is a more compelling villain than Colonel whatever the fuck his name is. He was even kind of I don't even remember Colonel whatever the fuck his name Colonel is. Colonel Stewart. Stewart. Colonel Stewart, yeah. So, like, Colonel Stewart is a less compelling villain because he's willing to just kill his own men for insubordination. That's not <laughs> compelling. Having a, a villain who inspires camaraderie, that's compelling. Yeah, Hans was even, like, kind of plight to the guys he would eventually murder. Yeah, yeah. So He was a classy but, villain. And that's also symptomatic of this of this movie and like the the issues with this movie of like when you turn everything up to 11 you have to turn the villains assholery yeah. up to 11 too you have to put a mustache on him and he has to twirl it exactly that's not what hans was exactly and but i do love that about this i love the ridiculousness of it but it cracked me up when my son just like i know what you're gonna say <laughs> <laughs> Oh, as soon good. as the scene, as soon as he pulled that gun, I knew what you were going to say. <laughs> and of course, McLean has to go right into the, the airport police captain guy. I guess that's what he is played by. Uh, what's his fucking name? Dennis Franz from Dennis NYPD Franz. Blue. Oh, fuck NYPD Blue. He was Detective Faghorn from Mighty Ducks, man. <laughs> what? The cartoon. Oh, I don't remember that. I, I, I've still never watched a Mighty Ducks episode. It's Jim Belushi and him just talking for the whole first like couple episodes. Oh, man. Jim Belushi is the <laughs> Jim Belushi of actors. This guy doesn't buy a goddamn thing that John's saying. He's like, dude, he, they pulled this kind of gun on me. Do you know what that is? It's plastic. It's more than you make in a month. No, it's, it's, uh, it's porcelain. A porcelain. Yeah. It's more than you make in a month. It won't set off the metal detectors. And then he's like, get the fuck out of here, man. You don't know shit. And then, of course, Bruce Willis, uh, apparently, because... 
all the one-liners and stuff in the first movie were so good and 90% of them were improved by Bruce Willis, except for the couple things that they took directly from the book. Uh-huh. They told him just to go, have fun. <laughs> and it works like a quarter of the time. Like this line's kind of funny. I don't know if this was in the script or not, but he says, what sets off the metal detectors first? The shit, the, the, the lead in your ass or the shit in your brains? Yeah. Storm actually <laughs> looks over at me. He's like, well, the first half of that worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get where he's going with it. It's fine. And then, of course, McLean gets the bright idea to fingerprint this dead guy because he just has a he has a hunch because he's the only smart one in the movie. That's the other thing about dialing it up so high, you know. Yeah, it's 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 like every kid movie, too. The main characters, the kids have to be the only ones who actually know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, like in, in Die Hard, you had Al Powell, who was who was on his side. But then you had the chief or whatever <laughs> that guy was played by fucking fuck with the bull. You get the horns guy yeah, that from guy. <laughs> Breakfast Club. So, of course, that gets turned up to where 100 percent of the officials are fucking morons in this. And then, you know, essentially the first 30 minutes of the movie is us meeting John and having him like set up his antagonistic relationship with the airport police because he knows stuff and they don't and then the bad guys just gearing up and getting their shit ready like esperanza's coming he's all cuffed up and i swear to god there the spanish was subtitled the first time i watched this it was not was it not subtitled no oh not on my, not on my thing that i had oh i'm pretty sure mine was subtitled okay good because i remember him saying like these chains are too tight can you yeah. loosen them up can, yeah there's okay a, yeah there's a whole instead, conversation can you, between those instead guys. can you light my cigar for me yeah. as a like a consolation or whatever played by franco nero by that, the way that, the original django i saw him and i'm like wait who's franco fuck oh it's fucking that guy he looks so different because yep. i've only ever really seen him in uh enter the ninja Oh, okay. And obviously this, because I've seen this a bunch of times. But when he was yeah. in Django as well, he played uh, he he played the uh, the Mandingo fighter guy that the the slave master. Okay. In the Mandingo fighting, because you know I mean he was the original Django, and so Tarantino wanted to get him in there. He's no. even got that great scene where he's like, where he's like, "What's your name, Django? How's it spelled?" <laughs> <laughs> no, Tarantino putting an old like classic movie guy in his movies. But he put Shocker. Django in his Django. I know, that's awesome. You know, like, that's cool. So we're in the airport control room. Apparently the weather is really rough, and that's going to cause a lot of problems later. So the yes. planes all have to kind of stay in the air for a little while until they get their shit figured out. So let's get back to the fingerprints, because this is where Al comes back. Yay! We get Woo! Al Powell, and he's... 60-second callback! <laughs> yeah, he's back in L.A. Being, being awesome. We love... I love Reginald Vell Johnson. He's so cool. Yeah, I think at this point he was he was too busy dealing with Steve Urkel to... Yeah, firmly... To make a yeah. long-term commitment to the movie. I wonder if the original script had them traveling together. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> oh, that would have been so much better. He was Fuck. on the plane, too. Oh, no! I don't want him to be on the plane. So, well, he had to, now he has to save Holly and Al. Oh, this is where John has to use a fucking fax machine, and he does not know how so to do it. it's so notable as being new technology. Yeah, and he's like, it's a fax machine, and the chick behind the counter is like, yeah, dude, you're hot, but shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the guy that he that he killed was already dead, because Al's like, um, you're not going to believe this, but this guy's dead, and John's like, yeah, I know that. I killed him. Duh. <laughs> And he's like, no, he died like two years ago because that's that's a detail that's going to set up some stuff later. And then here's a line. She the, the the lady who was helping him out for a second. She's like, hey, I get off in a little while. You want to you want to go hang out and get a drink? He's like, you know, I'm married. Just the facts, ma'am. I didn't know where that originally came from. Oh, really? <laughs> and I'm a fucking idiot. 
because I looked it up and I said I googled just the facts and I'm like, okay, well, it's Die Hard Two. Came out, it came from Die Hard Two. That sounds that seems so fucking weird. I thought it was older than that. It's quite a bit older than that. <laughs> and Rachel googles just the facts. <laughs> And she's like, it's from fucking Dragnet, you idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, wow, do I feel that was super dumb. But at least I'm cool enough to admit it. Uh, well, you made me laugh. So now I know. Fucking Dragnet. You know, the Dan Aykroyd movie. <laughs> yep, that's the one. The Dan Aykroyd Tom Hanks vehicle. The lady reporter, she sees John and she's like, hey. You're John McClane, right? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, who are you? She tells him. She's like ready to shake his hand. And he goes, uh, no. And just like, <laughs> I just like, I like his re- Like Bruce Willis was super cool once back when he still gave a shit. John goes back to the control room to show them the pictures, the fingerprint stuff. And he's like, they're planning something. This is fucking weird. And it eventually gets to the point where they're they're like, do you know what they're planning? And he's like, no, not really. I would like it's something, though. And they're like, see, he doesn't know what they're planning. Therefore, it's all bullshit. <laughs> like, he's not one of the terrorists. Yeah. John McClane's learning curve on this is is like so sharp that it be that it reaches heights of ridiculousness. But again, that's in keeping with the spirit of the movie. Yeah. But like in the first one, he like had to figure stuff out as he went along. Whereas in this one, like he. His leaps in understanding and insight are ridiculous in the extreme. So the fact that he knows as much as he does is already absurd. Like, jump into conclusions, like, the second he sees those three guys with presents. Either they're gay or they're terrorists. And either way, I'm gonna bust them. <laughs> John Leguizamo's in the movie, also. Don't know if you noticed that. Yes, I did. It actually inspired <laughs> me to, uh, immediately, after the movie was over turn on the pest and show that oh, to my son God. because he had never seen it before i'll tell you what i told him you're not ready for it nothing i say can prepare you <laughs> oh good i do love that they had john leguizamo and this dude that has probably he's one of the most unique looking and sounding actors like that that's essentially a movie star right they fucking dubbed his voice that's not his voice when when he when leguizamo? On the phone. yeah does he say anything he says something into the phone real oh. quick he gets one line okay i and... i thought he didn't get any lines i i must have missed that yeah so i'm like that's dumb oh that reminds me i thought that in the final scene when they're getting on the plane i saw aaron eckhart did i oh no i didn't see i didn't see him that guy hasn't got his chin chipped by an axe so no this is not aaron eckhart <laughs> i thought it looked like him too no but it Rob... definitely looked like him. but robert patrick was are you kidding me? Aaron was mad when he found out his name wasn't in the Die Hard 2 database in IMDb. Just kidding. Actually, I watched it again, then I noticed a resemblance. Except for the chin, of course. Okay, so it's probably not him because of the chin, unless he had the chin fixed later. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say it's not him. I don't want I don't want Aaron Heck, Aaron Eckhart's chin to be artificial. That, that chin is too perfect. It's a good chin. Bruce Campbell has the better chin. I agree. I agree. Aaron Eckhart does have a good chin. And and both of them pale in comparison to Robert Zdar. <laughs> Who's that? Which one's that? He's the guy from uh, Tango and Cash. I still haven't seen Tango and Cash. God he's damn the guy it. from Maniac Cop. Still haven't seen Maniac Cop. Damn it. He's he's the <laughs> single biggest chin I've ever seen in my life. I mean, Google Robert Zadar, Z D A R, and you'll go, oh, that guy. Oh God, what is with the chin? <laughs> that dude's chin is out of control. He died. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't realize he In died. In 2015. Okay, takes the sting off a little bit. He died yesterday. 
He died eight years ago. He died 30 seconds ago when you mentioned his chin. <laughs> he died today. Of it exploded. Chin <laughs> One too many people had finally mentioned his chin and the universe smacked him down with a meteorite. So the boss man in the in the control room, his name is Trudeau. He kind of takes initiative by doing some stuff I don't even remember, and it doesn't really matter. But oh shit, the runway lights all go out. Oh god. And uh, understandably, they're concerned. Also, I can't hear the word shunt without thinking of society, so thanks for that. <laughs> I legitimately, every time Thomas the Tank Engine comes on and they fucking... Play that, play that song. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> Listener, if you if you aren't aware, please go back and listen to our society episode. Yeah, if you want to know about the shunt, oh, it's, such a, it's such a dirty word when they say it. It's just because so I gross. just because I know what's coming. Ooh, yeah, it's that, so nasty. Oh, I almost showed society to somebody this week, but then I was like, you know what? I don't think that's what they're looking for. Oh, you should do it. No, I want. I would want to show it to anybody who I think could handle it. But this person, <laughs> I didn't know what their capacity was. And don't was tell like, eh. and don't tell them anything. It's like, oh, it's just like a no, no. Mis- I, I, I wouldn't tell them. I wouldn't tell them. I, I'd just be like, hey, here, there's this movie I want to show you. It's it's like sci-fi horror kind of. It, it's it's a mystery. There's something going on in this kid's world, and he doesn't know what. It's kind of like the faculty, but not really. <laughs> you'll you'll see what I mean. <laughs> Uh, so after the lights go out, Colonel Stewart, he calls them to, with, with their demands. Their demands are that Esperanza, no, no reason is given. Like there's no actual connection between these guys. He just wants Esperanza's plane left alone. He gives reasons to his troops and stuff, or I don't think he does. At some point he says that he's the, that he's a man who's not afraid to fight the communist threat. Does he say that? And that the U.S. betrayed him. Yeah. I do not remember hearing that, but sure. Also, this airport security fucking sucks. Good Lord. Yeah, it's almost like it's uh, pre-9-11 or (laughs) something. Because McLean just busts his ass, busts his way into the fucking control room. And then then right behind him, here's the reporter. And then the dude's like, get them the fuck out of here. What the fuck? (laughs) Like, somebody's getting fired after this. Because, Wow. Not in 1990. <laughs> and then him and the, John and the reporter end up in the elevator. And so it begins. We are dieharding so hard right now because she's like, hey, how about a word? And he's like, oh, I got two words for you. Fuck off. And then <laughs> he jumps up and climbs on into the elevator shaft. And here we go. Oh, before he does that, though, she she's like, God, that's what Colonel Stewart said to me earlier. And John's like, oh, Colonel shit. Stewart, that's where I knew him. From. That's where I fucking know the guy because they bumped into each other earlier. Yep. And he was like, he even said, like, do I know you from somewhere? And the guy's like, I've been on TV. And then also the the captain was in the room. And just as John's getting shoved in the fucking elevator, he's like, if you guys can think of this shit, so can they. And then, of course, two seconds later, the guy's like, we're going to do this thing. Because if they can think, if we can think of it, so can they. Like, you heard him say that. Fucking douche. And that was Dennis Franz. Dennis Franz, yes. <laughs> Dennis Franz, who doesn't want to give John uh, John McClain, I almost said John Mulaney. <laughs> doesn't want to give John McClane any credit, but will steal his ideas. Uh, How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Because it's obvious you fucking butted your ass into it. Oh, that reminds me. Did you did you see in the credits that Jan de Bont was the cinematographer on this? And of course, Jan de Bont went on to direct Speed, which 
was initially pitched as Die Hard on a Bus. Because that's what it was. It was literally Die Hard on a Bus. With it, Keanu but, Reeves instead. But they had to rewrite it to write out John McClane. Yeah, I don't know if Willis was the one who shut it down or what, but uh, for whatever reason, it didn't get made. Yeah, Speed's awesome. That's a movie we should talk about one of these days. Fuck yeah. And then we should do Speed 2. Cruise Control. Oh, God. I was not prepared for that dip in quality. I thought I was kind of like, it can't be that bad, right? But you watch the first one, and you're like, this is fucking awesome. It's rated R. It's violence. Good stuff. You you can almost guarantee, not always, but you can almost guarantee that when they knock that rating down from an R to a PG-13, they're compensating for something, meaning that they want more people to go see it because they don't think people are going to like it. Yeah, that's and fair. The quality change. You know, I gotta Ooh. say, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this because '90s me took himself and movies so fucking seriously. I actually enjoyed Speed Two. I didn't think it was nearly as good as Speed One, <laughs> but I thought it was like on the level of like a Time Cop or a Sudden Death, something like that. You know, but I liked those movies. I liked Time Cop. I liked Sudden Death. I enjoyed them. They're bad movies, but they're fun. Well, okay, I have a deep deep love for sandra bullock and all this on all speed like, two has is uh what's the fucking guy jason patrick jason patrick and being not the most interesting person ever that's fair okay i mean but it has willem dafoe as a bad guy so it's like fuck yeah man. willem dafoe willem dafoe is a, ba- is a bad guy and sandra bullock is sandra bullock and i love sandra bullock i'm never gonna not enjoy watching sandra bullock really she yeah, really she, i watch i just watched her in fucking uh the lost city loved it not uh, a good movie but i loved it she doesn't interest me at all, really. I love Sandy. I, I I love her. Like I love Demolition Man, but yeah, she's probably my favorite thing about Demolition Man. That ridiculous sex scene with her and Stallone. Come on, <laughs> I'll just watch anything with Stallone in it because I'm admittedly a that movie's pretty fun. Anyways, yes. So how can the same thing happen to the same guy twice? Because you keep on butting your ass into shit that you don't need to be fucking involved in. <laughs> that might have something to do with it. In the first one, at least, it kind of makes sense because he doesn't really have much of a choice. Yeah, he's he, there. He's he in can, the midst of it. He can probably avoid it. But if you look at it, he saves those people at the end of the movie. They were going to get blown they up. They were definitely going to die yeah. if he hadn't intervened. Yeah. That's not the situation no, here. <laughs> the people died because he got yeah, he, he fucking stuck his nose in other he, people's business. Now, granted, he didn't kill him himself, but it was a direct result of his <laughs> interference. That, yeah. No, no, no. You know what? I take that back. I take that back. The reason he crashed the plane was because the guys went down. Well, yeah, yeah. the corridor to, and that was Art Evans' fault. Art Evans, who is Barnes, that's true. Oh my God, Art Evans in this movie, he, he's 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 the guy who is like the second in command in the tower. Yep, can't act his way out of a fucking paper this bag. This guy's can he? acting is so bad. It, this is some troll two level shit. I didn't realize it's he'd been in other movies amazing. because of how how terrible he was in this movie. He's so bad, it's genius. <laughs> he's lovable. Oh, absolutely. I love good. him. He's one of my favorite things about this movie. Cuz he's so fucking consistently terrible. Every line delivery is stilted and forced and wrong on so many levels. <laughs> He's so good. It's rough. at being bad. Uh, and then, okay, so John now John's in the basement. I guess is what it is, and he meets Marvin the janitor, who also apparently lives there because he has records and a bed. There's all sorts of shit down there, and also apparently still lives in World War II because he every single reference like out, of his mic, out of his mouth is a World War II reference. Yeah. He, couldn't have been that old when World War II was happening, could he? 
Well, I mean, he he was probably drafted or enlisted for World War II. He probably fought in World War II. He was probably of an age of like 17, 18 years old, something like that. Aw, those, those silly little kids going off to war. Oh, you know, uh, Kurt Vonnegut called it the children's war. Anyways, let's talk about something fun. Let's talk about the engineer, whose name I couldn't remember at the time I made that note is going to the Annex Skywalk. This is what's going to happen here. To get communication back up. Of course, John heard that he said that, and he gets the plans from Marvin and realizes that it's it's a bottleneck. It's like it closes up and it's going to essentially be an ambush. So really, while the people on the plane still would have died simply because they went down there. You're, you're right. I didn't really think about uh, that. John actually saves... At least Marvin. Or, uh... Uh, yeah, what's his name? What's the character? I forgot camera? already. I just know Art. He's Art Evans. I That's... just said his fucking name too, just a second ago. Barnes. Barnes. So he's he's gonna save Barnes. Yeah, and he's in a ventilation duct, and he's like, oh, just once, man. I just want a normal Christmas with a fucking turkey, and instead I have to be in a fucking tin can. Now I know what a postal package feels like. I mean, now I know what a TV dinner. That's feels Ninja like. Turtles. Yikes. Now I know. <laughs> Oh, I know what a TV dinner feels like. A much better line. So it is time for the ambush. And they're they're going down there. Uh, Barnes got sent down there with some SWAT guys. and All of them die. All of them die by Robert Patrick. He starts he starts the whole thing. He's like, what do we look like to you? And he's like, sitting ducks. I'm like, oh, God, I love you. I love him so much. It's his only line in this movie, but he yeah. absolutely nails it. Because that was his whole thing. He barely talked. In Terminator 2 also, like he yep. talked a little, but he's so sinister sounding. <laughs> it's so funny. He's got a face, too. Oh, man. So then, you know, th- th- an action scene. Everybody dies. All the good guys die. Eric quotes good guys, except for Barnes, who manages to get out of the way. John pops out of the duck just as T-1000's about to blast Barnes. Boy, you know what? That actually gets me thinking. Robert Patrick, he should have been a bad guy in the new Expendables movie, huh? Fuck yeah. Robert Patrick would be a great great expendables bad guy and this scene is exactly what you think it is gunfire and lots of intense like reloading shots and mclean somehow managing to not get shot even though because these guys are not firing blanks it's so ridiculous (laughs) he's right under this guy on this scaffolding and he's firing this machine gun at him yeah he should have hit him so many times yeah he should have been swiss cheese he shouldn't then there's also a great scene where the villain covers behind these big rings of of <laughs> aluminum oh jesus yeah that are not heavy duty <laughs> and well if they're so, th- if they're that thick you know the, that's just it they're not that thick they're they're fucking vent piping they're by <laughs> definition lightweight so they, yep <laughs> so they apparently still stop mclean's bullets it's so silly and you know after the, after this you know barnes is okay but all the all the bad guys are dead single-handedly by john because he's Again, he's Superman. The antenna yep. then, the whole reason they're out there just blows up. Just boom. Just yep. gone. How did none of the planes see that? That's a good... I think it's because the visibility is so low, but later on, they see the fire, which I assume is not as intensely burning. Yeah. Well, well, okay, okay. In fairness, the explosion of the 747 was... That would have been big. <laughs> Probably got their attention a little more, yeah. Yeah. That would have been a, that would have been a boom. Uh, more radios, just like in the first movie, except this time it needs a fancy code so he doesn't get to talk a bunch of shit, but he will. Barnes is very cavalier. He's like, well, I just saw like tw- 12 people die. So next time you kill one of these guys, get him to punch in the code. Except it's more like the next time you kill these guys, get them to punch in the code. He's giving it what he's got. And it, it <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, if you're there for it, it's fantastic. 
So now Colonel Stewart is obviously pissed that they tried to restore communications and, you know, bad things are going to happen now. McLean does manage to get through on like some speaker or something to to Stewart and he's, you know, basically, why are you doing this, you fucking asshole? And Stewart's like, go fuck yourself, piece of shit. I know you're John McLean, you pussy. This isn't Nakatomi, loser. I don't know. I can't remember what they were talking about. But that he does was... talk some shit. I <laughs> don't remember bit. the exact uh, the exact phraseology. And now Colonel Stewart is going to crash this plane. And this scene is very fucked up, and it fe- it's 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 rough. In the original Die Hard, we see two people, two good guys, essentially good guys, air quotes, good guys die, but they're both these rich assholes. So who cares? <laughs> They cut to a shot. I, I did. I did feel bad for Takagi. Ellis, not so much. Yeah. Ellis, it's like, eh, yeah, he maybe didn't fully deserve it, but eh, I'm not exactly gonna weep. No, I'm not that sad about him. But the people on this plane, you had a little kid running around having a good time. You get an old lady. You get a get a stewardess with the worst British accent I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> There's kids on the flight. It's fucked up. Yeah. And, and Cole and Meany, or however the fuck his Irish ass name is pronounced, from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. The bad guys, they set the runway height like 200 feet lower on the navigation computer or whatever. And then Colonel Stewart takes over the radio. Oh, they've taken over the radio so, the, so they can't broadcast. Yeah, so, the, the tower has no ability to yeah. communicate with the planes. They had it long enough for them to tell them that they need to start circling the airport and, you know, they'll allow you to land on an emergency fuel basis but that's not true because they can't so yeah colonel stewart says hey we've you know we're, we're gonna let you land go ahead and do the thing and then they land and then it just i don't know how it actually explodes because it's a fucking it's a dumb movie and it's they hit the ground too hard <laughs> sparks and then, boom and then uh well what happens is you know the wings obviously hit and they and there's ignition on the wings, which are full of fuel. And then the fire from the wings hits the under cabin extra fuel tank that they keep under the entire length of the cabin. And then that blows up the cabin because that's obviously the only explanation is that there <laughs> must be an additional gigantic fuel tank in the cabin. And that's exactly how it would happen too. it would just explode like a bomb going off. Yep, the entire cabin <laughs> of the plane blows up as if it's filled with c4 and bruce willis not john mcclain bruce willis cannot cry what the fuck did you see him cry after the plane crashed he's like (laughs) i'm like what well maybe not at this point in his career but if you watch a few years later he gets better at it i was gonna say i saw looper he cried in that (laughs) and that was good and 12 monkeys he cries in 12 he never saw 12 monkeys he has a really good crying scene in 12 monkeys I'm glad he got better instead of just being an action star here. For you haven't seen system. 12 Monkeys? No. I recommend that. That is an excellent movie. You need to see 12 Monkeys. I've seen 12 Monkeys, but I haven't seen 12 Monkeys. You know what I mean? Just like you've been to Prague. I haven't been to Prague, been to Prague. But I've been to Prague. <laughs> but I know that thing. I know that stop shaving your armpits. I know how bad American <laughs> coffee is thing. I love that movie so much. Uh, so now there's officially a time crunch, which is weird because this move this movie is technically based on a book called 58 Minutes, and I'm pretty sure they only had 58 minutes in that whole book. 58 minutes pertains to how long it's going to take Esperanza's plane to get there. Holly's plane is going to run out of fuel in 90 minutes, so yeah. we have 90 minutes. Everything seems like it takes a lot longer than that. Yes, it does. 
although this is a very fast-paced movie, we definitely get the feeling that much more is going on than what we're seeing on screen. Finally, everybody's kind of on board. Like Trudeau's like, yeah, so we didn't believe you, so but we do now. So we're we're we just talked to the government, and they're just gonna send a send a nice army unit over here to help us with this shit. They they show up, and it turns out that the major that's that's the leader of the little troop they send one platoon over there and colonel stewart was one of his soldiers at one point barnes managed to get the airport beacon to there so there's like an airport beacon and it goes beep 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 and he'll he'll tell you the 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 airport beacon goes beep 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 i'm like sure jan just calm your fucking tits over there but and he's like there's no reason that it shouldn't we shouldn't be able to talk through it right they won't be able to talk to us but at least we'll be able to talk to them and shit (sighs) So eventually he does. He gets he, he gets manages. a message out yep. to the planes via the beep beep beep, Talk, talking about how the terrorists have taken over. And Dick has to hear this on the plane because he's bored, but he knows something's going on because he sees all the planes circling. He's there's nothing ordinary about it, and he's talking to Holly. She's she looks at him and he's like, "See, that's my gift. You're curious. I'm like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here." <laughs> I hate him so much. That is your name, isn't it? Dick. But you're supposed to hate him, so that's okay. (laughs) John then has Marvin help him find a way to listen to the platoon in the briefing room because they had gone to their whatever, whatever room to do the thing. And he's like, I don't care if I have to put a fucking glass up to the door. And then Marvin also found a radio and it's unlocked. And he's just like, thank you, fucking A. Like, he's just kind of lucking into all this shit. And then Marvin's like, well, why don't you give me 20 bucks for it? (laughs) How about I let you live? Ah, uh, you're a good negotiator. <laughs> Just like that good old Adolf Hitler that I fought with. <laughs> he does not say that. <laughs> so Esperanza's plane is in the vicinity. Esperanza killed the guard that lit his cigar, and he's also going to kill the two pilots, but he's, you know, some shit's going to go down. He's going to shoot the fucking windshield, so there's going to be a giant hole in it. Accidentally. Accidentally, yes. So he's requesting, you know, got to land, whatever. John can finally hear the transmission, which is good for him, so he knows shit. My next note is, is Marvin homeless or does he work there or what? <laughs> is Marvin a different character in the book? I need to, re- I want to read the book because it sounds fun and simple and it's his daughter again, not his wife. Is it John McClane again? Oh, no, no, no. It's a completely different oh, thing. Okay. And it wasn't John McClane anyways. It was Herbert Balsack. I can't remember the character's name. And oh, yeah, that's nothing right. You, lasts told, forever. you told me that. Yeah. yeah. But it was his daughter. It wasn't his wife in, in Nothing Lasts Forever also. And in 58 minutes, it's his daughter that's on the plane that he has to try and make sure. <laughs> but it's that character. Yeah. No, no, no. It's a different character. Oh. Different, okay. different, different book, different series, different everything. Okay. But they really like to take like middle-aged dudes waiting for, <laughs> waiting for their daughter. Apparently, it was a whole genre back in the <laughs> 70s and 80s. And they like to make movies about them, and they replace their daughters with their wives. Is that some weird <laughs> fantasy these old writers have? I don't know. There's 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 a lot of creepy shit going on out there. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> this is where this is where John has a near miss with the with the landing plane when Marvin shows him the way out, and he's like climbing up this ladder onto the grate. That's right, up yeah. through the grate, and then I'm like, why don't you just duck back down in there? That is exactly of- <laughs> what everybody else who watched this said. Every There's not a single person I've spoken to about this movie, and I've spoken to quite a few, who don't go, why don't you just duck back down as soon as the plane's over, then he just jumps back out again. Like, I get that it was heavy, but, like, you could have just, like, squeezed your ass back in there and then, yeah. like, duck down, make sure you didn't get your head smashed when the fucking plane ran over it. Yeah. But, no, we had to have a super exciting, like, roll out of the way, just it's missing the so wheels. It's so ridiculous. It's the most unnecessary tension moment in this movie. They're trying to recreate that fucking... They, they do this a couple times. They're trying to recreate the fucking fire hose thing. Yeah. 
yeah, that's because the fire hose thing is a great moment. And then here we have two moments that aren't even remotely as good as that. <laughs> no, no, not even close. Esperanza, he lands and he's about to get off the plane, but John, he's John's right there when he opens the door. He punches him in the face and he's like, "Fuck you! I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna trade you for my wife." But nothing can go smoothly for this guy. So gunfight. Pretty much. It's not really a gunfight so much as people start firing at McLean and then he fucking jumps into the cockpit, which yeah, is bulletproof, I imagine. These guys just open fire on the plane that the guy they're trying to rescue is in yeah. very willy-nilly. Very willy-nilly. They just, no concern for the general. Yeah, all these guys are very trigger-happy. They're just, it's, I mean, they're really far <laughs> away from that plane. Colonel Stewart is obviously there. Also, they get there really quick, so that, that'll come into play here in a minute. Colonel Stewart's like, how many grenades do you guys have? And they're like, three each. And he's like, use them. So he, th- he throw the grenades in there. Oh, this is after John has locked himself in yeah, the he cockpit. Lost, locked himself in the cockpit. How long does it take for a grenade to explode? Because it seems like they're taking an awful lot of time. According to my son, who apparently has looked it up, 13 seconds from the moment the pin is pulled. Oh, okay. So all of those should have blown up right in his face before yes. he could even like move. Yes, quite before he even <laughs> got into the seat. <laughs> I knew they didn't last that long because like, but, what's the point of like, a grenade if that's he, the thing? He, he watches them accumulate for quite some time and then he jumps up into the seat. No, then he <laughs> spots the seat. Yeah. Then he gets into the seat. Then he straps himself into the seat. Then he pulls the thing, and it's only once he's immediately clear of the cockpit that they blow. Yeah, and then... It's a great scene. Then he gets up in the air, and then, you know, you see the parachute, and then you just see the, the, the terrorists all look at him going, like, that guy's lucky. I'm like, you could shoot him! What the <laughs> well, fuck is wrong with you? Storm said that exact same thing, but you have to remember, it is, a, it is storming right now. Like, there's high winds, low visibility, and that parachute was quite a ways off. Okay, fair enough. But you would agree. And they have machine least. guns. Those are not super Well, accurate. yeah, those little yeah, those little guns. We I learned that from Red Dawn, the remake, not the Oh, I haven't uh, I haven't seen the remake, the Hemsworth one. Yeah. Yeah, I they've seen that. They kill one of the guys and they get like his little uh Tech 9 thing. Oh, okay. And every all the kids are like, "That's awesome." But then Liam Hemsworth or Chris Hemsworth, sorry, he's like he's back home from the military and he's like all right, let's see how this does. He, he shoots, doesn't hit the tree at all, steps forward, doesn't hit the tree at all, steps forward again, and finally hits the tree. And he's like, yeah, we need better weapons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, looks cool, not cool. Yeah, a little short barrel machine gun. That's not going to yep. be accurate. That's a that's a spray and pray, as they say. <laughs> yeah. So fuel is running low on Holly's plane. So tension. Tension's building up here. The stewardess comes into the cockpit and goes, we need to chill everybody out. They're getting a little. She doesn't know yet. She, they're getting a little getting a little antsy. And he's like, oh, well, we're right over D.C. Let's fucking turn on the TV. Maybe it'll chill them out. Simpsons. Because it's a Fox movie. <laughs> and Storm, Storm literally was like, the fucking Simpsons? Really? And then I had to explain to him. Oh, you don't understand. This is probably during season one of The Simpsons when it was the biggest thing in the world. Season two, season okay. two three. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, I yeah. knew it was early in the run, whatever the case. I'm like, that's when this show was the biggest show in the world. Yeah, it was it was huge. And it's a and it's a Fox property. So, you know, they could. And then Storm asked me, have you ever actually seen the first episode of The Simpsons? I'm like, motherfucker, I watched it <laughs> the day it premiered. I've seen it. Not great. <laughs> i went and watched like a season three or four episode and i'm like what the fuck is this how did i watch this this is not good i don't like this i loved it and yeah i, I liked I, it back then i rewatched yeah. a, i rewatched a few episodes recently and i was like huh i guess my tastes have just changed yeah it does not hold up and it really weirded me out 
Maybe I'll try it again one of these days. But it was just—it was just strange because I, I just liked it a lot back in the day. But whatever. I understand the people who have a lot of nostalgia for it and they can go and watch it that way. But those first couple episodes, anyway, did nothing for me. Futurama, way better show as far as Futurama is a fucking amazing show, and that show holds up at least for the most part. I heard the new seasons aren't that great, but I haven't seen—I haven't gotten that far. I'm—I'm—I—I I'm, I think I've gotten to like season two or something. Yeah, like that. I going through and watching that show is a delight it's so fun anyways dick is gonna try and broadcast the recording he had made of the of the beep 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 broadcast about the terrorists and he's doing it from the bathroom everybody Did we ever explain how dick got tapped into that oh no uh he went back to the for i imagine first class or some shit and no he's back in, he's back in coach coach oh yeah where, where, <laughs> wherever his guy is sitting and he's like you listen to that this, this airport thing it's going beep 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 tell me when there's something there it's then, it, because the guy brought his his recording equipment yeah, yeah. onto the plane because he wasn't about to check it oh that's right yeah i wouldn't trust him to check that shit either don't not if they have a bag crushing machine that kills people so the major you know the leader of the platoon he's not really impressed with john at all at this point so barnes has the idea that the terrorists are actually closer than they originally thought so they end up surveying this whole neighborhood that's like right by the airport well it's because the um the line, the communications line that they ran a few years earlier, he explains, runs right underneath that area of the neighborhood, of that neighborhood next to the airport. Because they always put the best neighborhoods right next to airports. So he's like, we need to go out and check this piece of property because that would be a place where they could tap into it and it would be close, you know, because, you know, like he said, they arrived really quickly. And uh, turns out... Yeah, we'll get back to them. I really want to... The old lady sitting next to Holly on the plane makes a comment about Willard Scott being a, f- being a fat piece of shit or something. <laughs> I just want to point out that Willard Scott, in addition to being a, let's see, an American weather presenter, radio and television personality, was also the very first Ronald McDonald. Anyways, that's a side note. Doesn't mean anything, but it's fun. Storm kept noticing that that lady kept getting up from her seat and being gone from the scenes. Yeah, it's like... Was like she must is just, she just using the bathroom constantly <laughs> she's just she just wasn't there that day those she, days she's just gone for like 50 percent of the scenes that bonnie bedelia is in so john and barnes mclean and barnes mclean and barnes they just they decide that it's the church they decide that it's the church so they're like we're, we're gonna go check it out and there's a dude like walking around this is another instance where john is just like noticing shit that doesn't make any sense i'm like how could you possibly fucking know that so barnes is like it could just be a dude out for a walk and he's like john's like then why is he walking in his own footsteps or some shit? Yeah, and he, why is he walking in his own tracks? I'm like, it looks like he's just walking. It doesn't look like he's trying to step anywhere purposeful. Yeah. But it's that he's walking over his own tracks, meaning he's already walked this circuit before. But the problem is, there's a fucking bush in front of his feet exactly. from their perspective. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, how could you possibly know that? <laughs> you know the script sometimes needs to be adapted to the environment, right, guys? Leave it up to Holly, though, to fucking page john just as he's trying to get the drop on this guy the beep 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 and then of course the guy perfect timing (laughs) that was a good one that was a that was a good bad timing moment because there's no way john mcclain would be in the headspace of like i need to turn this off but we get a good kill on this guy oh yeah fucking icicle through the eye that was like brutal i remember watching that as a teenager and like feeling like i had just watched something out of a horror movie like that's a i was shocked at the violence yeah that's not a gun like he he does not kill people with like other weapons he has only almost ever killed somebody with a gun at this point the army guys they they show up to take down stewart and his men stewart and his guys are planting bombs all over the church too so 
that'll come back. They escape on snowmobiles because this is the 90s and snowmobiles were fucking the coolest thing ever. Oh yeah, absolutely. You had to have a snowmobile chase. If you had an action movie set during the winter and there was snow outside snowmobile. and you didn't have a snowmobile chase scene, get the fuck out of I here. I mean, even Jackie Chan's doing this shit at this point. Oh, yeah. Fucking First Strike had a snowmobile chase. Oh, yeah. Rennie uh, Harlan does it again, too, in uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Fucking sweet snowmobile chase scene. I'm pretty sure there's a snowmobile chase scene in Cliffhanger. I could be wrong about that one, but I, I think I remember there being one. John ends up killing a guy on on the snowmobile. He steals it and goes after the dudes who escaped. There's also a big firefight while the guys are escaping, while Stuart's men are escaping. And we'll get Lots back to of that. gunfire. That's important. So John is like, he catches up to these guys. And this is a bummer moment. I hate this. Like, it's like when your dick doesn't quite work right. Like... <laughs> John is just firing wildly right in this dude's face and nothing's fucking happening. He's like, and he looks at the gun like, what the fuck? And then the dude starts shooting at him and the fucking snowmobile ends up blowing up. Of course. <laughs> and they're, they're you know. Because there's no such thing as disabling a vehicle in these movies. No. There's only blowing them up. No, it has to explode. Michael Bay wasn't even a thing yet and everybody gives him shit about it. Yeah, no, Rennie Harlan was doing it way before Michael Bay was. Do- I think Michael Bay learned everything he yeah. needed to know about action sequences from Rem- Rennie Harlan. There's a giant explosion scene in Police Story 2, and Jackie Chan actually had an American company come out and do it because they were better at that shit. Okay, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. You know, play to people's strengths. Americans are good at blowing shit up. China, they basically invented bombs, you know, gunpowder and shit, and they're like, well, the Americans are just, like, big dick havers, I guess. So... <laughs> It just made them bigger. So, we yeah. do the biggest explosions, <laughs> baby. Now we can make them even bigger. We use re- real real explosions and then make them even bigger with CGI, and it yep. doesn't look super weird anymore. Looks pretty good now. Like a lot of the effects, like the chair thing in this movie looked really rough. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. No, Stor- Storm made comments on that. He was like, he even made con- comments about that in the original Die Hard. He was like, I hate that scene where Hans Gruber falls. He's like, just because you can see that it's a green screen. And I'm like, dude. That that scene could not look better. Like no. it's not possible for that scene. That's to one look of the better. better ones from the era. In during that era, yeah. like to make that scene in that era, Robocop? you can't make it better than that. And Storm's no. like, yeah, I know. I just want it to be better than that. And I'm like, well, all right, that's just all right. There's nothing you can say to that. Cause- well. Watch watch the guy falling in Robocop <laughs> and then watch the guy falling in Die Hard and then you'll appreciate watch, it a lot more. Watch the cartoon stretchy man falling. <laughs> what happened? What that fucking happened? That scene in particular is like, huh? What Was Paul Verhoeven trying to make a commentary on something? I don't know. I don't know that. That scene is a head scratch. That's baffling. Like, like the, the rest of the movie seems so deliberate and The special purposeful. effects in that movie are so fucking good otherwise. <laughs> Like, maybe, they really are. They're amazing. Maybe they ran out of time. They just <laughs> couldn't get know. a take two on it. So John then pulls the clip out of the machine gun that he was just using, and he notices something, but we don't know what yet. We'll get there. So there's a new army guy on the team, and they kill him because they're bad guys, but we don't know that yet because that doesn't happen yet because I made the note preemptively. Too early. Sorry. John basically falls. He's he's kind of fucked up now. He's His feet are all cut up. That, that That's the point we're at, except nothing that bad happens to him in this movie. He gets yeah, a little true. banged up. This is not a John McTiernan joint. Duh. No. Die Hard 1 and 3, John McClane gets fucked up. Yeah, he gets... Yeah, it, it never happens again after 3. Well, uh, I mean, the final kill shot in 4 is <laughs> well, pretty fucking good. <laughs> I, do, I do enjoy that. Dick 
finally gets his shit on the air, by the way. Bad news, because now everybody in the airport can hear it, and they're breaking windows and fucking stepping all over each other, and I think they're looting. I'm like, you guys need to fucking chill out. You're going to kill each <laughs> other before the terrorists have a chance to kill you. John goes to the captain again with the knowledge of the army guys being bad dudes. He's like, what the fuck? He's like trying to tell this guy, he's like, no, do not trust these fucking guys. And they're like, what are you talking about, dude? You got to mellow out. He pushes the captain back and then just fucking unloads this machine gun at him in a really good moment. I really like it. I I like <laughs> that every other cop in the room draws their guns, but don't shoot him. He's white. <laughs> This dude is literally unloading a machine gun on your captain and everybody's like, let's hold and see where this goes. <laughs> but it turns out they're firing blanks. Yes. Which is why nobody fucking died. Nobody got shot in that little altercation we had a few minutes ago because they were like right next to each other. How come nobody's getting pumped full of bullets? It's the same thing. And this convinces Dennis Franz, whose name I can't remember. Uh, what was his character again? Captain Fuckhole. That's right. Captain Fuckhole. This 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 turns Captain Fuckhole around, and now he's like, "All right, get all of our men. We're going to get these fuckers." Yeah. He's Lorenzo, Carmine Lorenzo. Carmine Lorenzo. There you go. And yeah, he's finally on board now. No, no, thank you to John. No, nothing. Just <laughs> you know, Holly. Oh, Holly. Holly's on the plane. She takes that fucking Chekhov's ch taser from that lady's <laughs> purse. Taser. Yep. Yep. And she goes. She stuns Dick because he's. Causing a fucking panic. And he when he he, he literally reaches the apex where he's yeah. of his of his self-aggrandizing speech. He's like, I am the best. You shall all worship me. <laughs> and if this should be my last broadcast. <laughs> and for all they know, he's fucking dead live on the air. Oh, that's that's a good one. And there's too much shit going on. So John has to essentially get a ride with the lady reporter in the, her helicopter. Yep, Cynthia Rothrock shows up. <laughs> it's not Cynthia Rothrock. <laughs> I can't Rock. hear Lady Reporter without thinking of Cynthia oh. Rothrock. Now. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so John's going to go ahead. Oh, the, also, before we forget, one of the demands that, that Colonel Stewart had made was that they needed a 747, like a big jet, all fueled and ready to go in a hangar that's kind of separate from everything else so nobody right. can fuck with them. And, of course, Esperanza's on the ground. Everybody's getting ready to go. So the bad guys are all ready. They're going to they're gonna fly this piece of shit. It's actually not a piece of shit. No, it's a very nice a looking really plane. Nice plane yeah. <laughs> so they pull it out of the hangar and they're ready. And John's like in the helicopter. He's like, oh, God, they're already out of the hangar. Fucking let's drop down in, front, in of them. front of them. <laughs> drop down in front of them in this tiny little helicopter compared to this multi thousand pound fucking <laughs> multi machine. Tens of thousands of pounds. Hundreds of tons. Of yeah, I metal. don't know how I don't know how much a fucking airplane weighs. I, I, I was I was right. Several thousand pounds. Several dozen thousand yeah pounds. several thousand means several thousand means more more than, than three. one more than one thousand more than three thousand i say no i say several you could be in remember what the joker says she can be in one place or several yeah touché, two or more sir, not one or more touché stop toucheing my naughty place john just decides he's like dude uh just drop me off i'm gonna fucking get on the wing of the plane it's fine <laughs> <laughs> with no plan mind you no does he ever have a plan though apparently not <laughs> <laughs> he just gets on the wing and he like shoves his coat into this thing, this little flap on the wing that yeah. makes it so they can't like take off. They don't stop, mind you. They keep going. Oh, they're going. They're not. They're this not plane done. is not slowing down to go clear the obstruction. They see John on the wing like the fucking gremlin from the Twilight <laughs> Zone. Twilight Zone. 
Then they see the coat in there, and they're like, oh, that's why we can't fucking take off. Let's go get it. The major kind of sneaks out there. Oh, they also, like I said, they murder their friend. They murder their extra guy. Yeah, they murder the guy who, uh, he, he's the new guy who replaced a guy who had, what was it, appendicitis? Appendicitis, yep. He's like, man, I wish I could have been with you guys for Grenada, and the gen- or the colonel or lieutenant or whatever is like, yeah, I wish you could too, kid. Really? Yeah, then I wouldn't have to do this. Slash. Slices his throat. I'm like, that's fucking brutal and sad. Jesus. Cold-blooded, man. These guys are bad. Yeah. They're not good. They're very comfortable with killing innocent people. Still don't know what the fuck their motivation is because they don't have any, but okay. It's to stop communism. Isn't he... Wouldn't, wouldn't Cuban-ish drug lord be... No, no he's fucking... not Cuban. He's from a fictional country. Well, from Commando. I know, but... But it's what? one of those. It's one of those countries with white people selling drugs. Where no, it's one of those countries where the communists were trying to come in and take over, and he was the fascist oh. dictator that was trying to stop the communists from taking oh. over. This is dumb. <laughs> uh, so they're gonna go get John off the wing, and they he gets out there, and then you know John fights. Like he's just like, oh motherfucker, you fucking traitor! Ah, I'm like this is too America for me. I don't love it. <laughs> Okay, so this line doesn't make any sense. They're fighting, and the Major's like, I thought I liked you, McLean, or something like that. John kicks him in the face, and he says, I got enough friends. Like, he didn't say anything to get that as a response. Doesn't even make sense. He said, I kind of liked you, McLean. Yeah, I kind of liked you. I got enough friends. But the still, the, I got enough friends doesn't really make sense. It's them trying to recapture that yippee ki motherfucker glory. Which they say later. Yeah, I mean, no, it's not it, as epic. It's fine. It's, yeah, it's that's the funny thing it was just kind of a throwaway line in the original die hard yeah. it was just the right line at the right time i'm pretty sure it was bruce willis improvising again yeah well because you know they are having that conversation about cowboys and roy <laughs> yeah, rogers and he's like Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. it wasn't it wasn't what he said before he pushes before he shoots Han Gru- hans gruber and sends him out the window yeah exactly he, this dude eventually gets sucked into the wind turbine though another fucking good kill with blood just splattering out the back of this thing so mclean's looking looking around he like sees the fuel door for the wing because apparently this wing is like fully fueled is what they say and he he sees the door for the fuel and he's like okay cool whatever that is and then colonel stewart comes out and fucking crotties him a little bit yeah this is where his uh his his training at the his ass in the wind training earlier on in the movie comes back i'm a little bummed out that he's not naked if i'm honest yeah it would have been better if he'd been naked yeah so he, he does some karate shit mclean loses this fight he gets kicked off the plane but but he grabs that fuel he, release yeah, on the he way grabs down the thing and then the fucking the tank just starts spewing out all the gas and cool jet fuel spraying all over the place just in case he <laughs> needs to melt some steel beams jet fuel doesn't burn hot enough to melt steel beams <laughs> We are 11 years away from that, okay? God, 11 years later, and <laughs> none of this shit would be allowed in an airport. Like, this would never happen. <laughs> they were a full, they were more than a decade closer to it than we are. Not fucking crazy? Because this is like an old movie, air quotes, right? Yeah. Bruce Willis still gave a shit. He was young, and <laughs> Bonnie Bedelia, I don't know what she looks like now, was still hot. She's probably still hot. I would say, like, for her age, she's probably very hot. Reginald Vell Johnson ate a bunch of Twinkies still. Yeah, Reginald Vell Johnson is, you know, I mean, he probably got a lot grayer. Yeah, he looks the same, just grayer. Here here it is. Speaking of Yippie Kaye, motherfucker, you know, John, he's a smoker, and he does say earlier when he's running around <laughs> trying to get to the runway. I gotta quit like, smoking. I gotta quit smoking cigarettes. Shut up. Just run. 
But he never Asshole. will because here comes that lighter saving his ass again. Yeah, yeah, the lighter, he pulls it out. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Throws it, fucking. The fuel lights up, and you just see this trail. It's like the Back to the Future thing when, when, it, <laughs> when the lightning strikes the thing. Just this, it trails up the gas thing and hits the wing, and the wing blows up, and then the whole fucking plane explodes. By the way, uh, yeah. uh, scientifically speaking, wouldn't work that way. No, not, not at all. Uh, the, the, the fuel does not burn fast enough for it to have caught up with the plane. When the plane blows up, the flames fucking light up the runway. And he's like, Holly, Holly. There's your landing light. There's your land. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ, guy. Take two, maybe? That was weird. (laughs) He's run ragged at this point. (laughs) She can't hear you, John. She's in the air. And then the planes just start coming down. One, two, three. I was thinking that, too. Just so. Holly's no, plane, no spacing. Yeah, no, Holly's <laughs> plane gets a good dramatic landing because obviously, right? Yeah. Everybody in the tower is like, oh, the other planes can do it. And then you hear one of the guys on the radio going, hey, they did it. We can do it, too. I'm like, Cute. They're way ahead of you. So they don't bother <laughs> guiding the planes. No, in. but they do just land like there's one. And like a second later, there's got to be another one. They're all like right fucking in a row. I'm like, what are you guys doing? doing like you know that's not safe right that's that, that's incredibly dangerous i'm not a pilot but i don't feel like that's a good idea <laughs> oh my god so john and holly are finally fucking reunited why does this keep happening to us and then just just like argyle in the first movie here comes here comes marvin here comes marvin ready to drive him off in his little golf, golf cart, cart thing. thing and the captain shows up and he's like hey mclean did you get a ticket in front of my airport, Holly looks at him and goes, what the fuck? <laughs> it's still at the impound yard, mind you. It's his mother-in-law's car, by the way. I forgot to mention that yeah, part. Yeah. And him and his, he's, his mother-in-law hates him because he's not a dentist. And then Franz is like, what the hell? It's Christmas! And tears up the ticket. And all I could think was, you're going to have a tough time getting that out from the impound yard with that. He just tore up the stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's still at the impound yard. You still got to go down there and get it. They drive off to let it snow because it's a fucking Christmas movie. It's the same closing music as the first movie, by the way. At the end of these movies, I'm always like, okay, so nobody's like beating, beating him down. Like nobody's like looking at him going like, hey, you don't get to go anywhere. We have questions. (laughs) Because he always leaves. No, I I mean, I love that in the first one, uh, fuck with the bull guy shows up. He's like. McLean, I want you to, I want you to be, I want you debriefed, you know, and that, and then up comes the fucking, uh, ballerina with the machine gun and they, and then Powell shoots him down and then everybody forgets that he needs to be debriefed. So now everybody has paperwork to fill out (laughs) because Powell just shot a guy. Yeah. For the first time since he shot a child. And as I love to say, every time I watch that movie now, and on that day, Sergeant Al Powell discovered that the power to kill again had been inside him the whole time. I do not love that beat. <laughs> like it had to be there given what we learn and like, but it's so like, there's no way to play it differently though. Yeah. Because no, it's so callously yeah. pro killing. Like it, it's good that they saved his life, but like, really did is yeah. that what powell needed the ability to kill again i don't understand because you need that you need that thing like why is he at the desk why is he helping john why is he doing that <laughs> so you need that but like 
I don't know. Let's like, get this guy. Let's yeah. get this guy shooting people again. Like that's, there's that's there's no way motive. there's no way around it unless you change his backstory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck. But he, he, I guess he could have just been older and been retiring. I don't. But then he would have had to die. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to kill him. We like no, him. I, no, I love I love Sergeant Powell. So this movie's fucking over. Uh, oh well. Oh wait. The old lady still doesn't like Dick, by the way. He's on the ground, like, oh, please help me. And she's like, you asshole. And then she, like, steps over him. <laughs> Crass old lady. I love oh, it. Oh, my God. And then we get this incredible matte painting effect that looks so good on Blu-ray because you can really see the matte painting. On Are you being Blu-ray. sarcastic? I actually like it. I, I, I think it's a, it's a very strange but kind of delightful way because, you know, they couldn't just park seven jets in the snow. Oh yeah, no, probably not. You know, so they had to they had to do the matte painting, and it it looks it looks like a matte painting, but I kind of like it because it's the perfect surreal, absurd capper to this surreal, absurd movie. And then it makes me want to go and just watch Die Hard three to kind of kind of watch a better movie. <laughs> That's fair. A That's movie fair. that goes back to back to basics mostly. John is not a fucking superhero in that movie. He's going to probably get killed by all the black people he insulted by wearing that stupid sign on his. Well, and it also didn't try. It didn't try to be Die Hard one again. Yeah, it embraced that it's a different movie, but with the carrying this character forward, and I like that about it. Also, didn't start out as a Die Hard movie. That does not surprise me. (laughs) This apparently did start out as a Die Hard movie, but like they used the inspiration from that book 58 minutes which i want to read now because i'm I'm curious well you'll have to let me know because i'm not <laughs> of course you're not you don't even know how to read i know how to read you're like wayne Kinda. you're like wayne from wayne's world you know the worst part of all is i, I never, never learned, learned to read, read. <laughs> is all that true yes everything except the reading part <laughs> fucking die hard die hard too. die harder final thoughts it's okay i disagree i think it's terrific <laughs> It's terrific. It just, it's just, it's terrific in all the ways that the original Die Hard is not. Yeah, no, it's it's just pretty good. It just doesn't stack up to the first one or the third one or the fourth one, in my opinion. Way better than the fifth one. I think it's better than the fourth one, um, just because it's so purely what it is, and it knows what it is, and it it just commits to the silliness of what it is. So Die Hard two, pretty good movie. You think it's way better than I do? I'll I'll watch it again. It's not like it's a bad movie. I didn't not have fun. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. It's so much fucking fun. And so And Art Evans, man. <laughs> fucking Art Evans. Every line out of the man's mouth is B movie gold. I didn't think he had another job after this. And I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> He's been in tons of this stuff. This dude's been in so many things. Like, obviously he can do stuff. That's what makes me feel like that it was a conscious decision to play it that way. Or maybe they shot all of his scenes in one day and just I don't know I, takes. <laughs> I I feel like no because he's all over the place I mean he's yeah really he is all he's really in, in like in most of the movie so I feel like I feel like he was making choices there yeah. and I love it I it's, love it every uh, time I watch him I I laugh I can't not laugh it's enjoyable I like it he's so fucking funny in this well yeah man this is our last uh, episode of the year we'll be back at the beginning of the year if anybody gives a shit <laughs> nobody does. Where t- nobody? I just made it past that episode on Letterkenny where where the coach says that they're Tiger Woods caddy now that nobody gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the funniest. That that's that's the way that's the way I feel about me on this show. Oh my god! We are Tiger Woods caddy now that nobody gives a shit. But that's okay. I give a shit. 
and I'm going to keep doing it and stressing out about it because I don't want to be on crack. That's the that's the escalation point. You uh, stop doing yeah. sharks across Hollywood, you immediately start doing crack. You know what you guys should do? Keep me off crack and keep me happy is you should give us some money. That would definitely keep us off crack. Yeah, you should do that. Patreon.com slash Sharks Across Hollywood. You can listen to all sorts of shit while also keeping me off drugs. Do that. He needs to stay off drugs. I've seen him on drugs. It's a it's it's a silly, embarrassing mess. He has no idea how to do them. He keeps doing them wrong. He's trying to smoke crack through his ear. That's just embarrassing, even for a crackhead. I tried to inject some heroin into my balls once. <laughs> Ouch. All right. <laughs> oh. Into my vast deference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, follow us on social media on everything at the Shark Pod again. Patreon.com slash Sharks Across Hollywood. Give us some money again so I don't want to fucking shove a needle in my ball sack again. But we'll be back next year with some other stuff. I'm just going to stop telling you guys what's next because I don't fucking know just in case things get fucked up and I have to like move stuff around. It makes it easier for me and less stressful. So we'll be back next year with whatever the fuck we feel like. As usual. But... Until then, stay jossum.